focusing on the positive, focusing on investors that you naturally feel are a good fit for you and going in that direction is really, really important when you're in the middle of fundraising. From Comcast, NBC Universal Lift Labs, it's Ideas Elevated, the podcast that elevates innovative entrepreneurs and their ideas. I'm Danielle Kahn, the head of Lift Labs, and today's guest is Chanel Fields. Chanel is the founder and CEO of MD Ally, an on-demand telemedicine service that helps EMS teams provide better community medical services. She recently joined the board of directors at Techstars, our accelerator partner. Chanel's the first black woman and alumni founder to join the board. In this episode, Chanel and I chat about how she secured the partnerships and funding that helped her turn an idea into a successful business. She'll share tips on finding investors that are the right fit for your company. She'll also discuss what it's like to build a highly relevant company focused on public safety in the wake of a global pandemic and wake-up call for racial justice. All that and more with Chanel Fields, now on Ideas Elevated. So nice to see you again. Welcome to Ideas Elevated. Our audience is a lot of entrepreneurs and people who are looking for entrepreneurial inspiration. You had been working in healthcare for some time before going to Wharton Business School in Philadelphia, and then you launched your company. Can you tell us about that time in your life and and what made you decide to launch your own company in this space? I think that as far as launching my own company, it's something that I knew I always wanted to do. So um, ever since I was young, I feel like I was the kid that like at family barbecues would be selling like my scribbles on a sheet of paper <laughs> for like, 10 <laughs> cents or a quarter <laughs> and made a killing, you know, not enough to retire early, but um, it was a good business. So it, it's something that, you know, probably from my, my father always being involved in, in entrepreneurial ventures was something that I was pretty passionate about. And then as far as, you know, public safety and EMS, my dad was also a volunteer EMT when I was growing up. So um, EMS was really my first introduction into the healthcare space. I think for most people, it's hospital or, you know, more traditional healthcare. But for me, it was 911 and public safety. So I've always really loved this space and wanted to work in it and, you know, leverage technology to help make their their jobs easier. So that's exactly what we're doing. Did you ever ride around with him in uh, in the vehicle and, and uh, get the full experience? I don't think I did ride-alongs as much as we would go to the station a lot for a lot of events. It's funny, I this last Christmas, or this past Christmas, I was talking to my mom about how I thought that Santa Claus actually lived at the Huntington First Aid Squad, because that's where we always went. We never went to the mall like regular kids. <laughs> we always went there. And she sent me this photo of me sitting on Santa's lap, and you know, it turns out it was a, it was a paramedic. But, um, <laughs> we spent a lot of time there. It was, it was really, really great growing up. And then I've done a lot of ride-alongs now, right, as an adult through, with MDL and my company. Spent about a year while I was in business school just traveling around the country to do ride-alongs with first responders and shadow dispatchers. So that's always a great experience. What was the moment that made you think of this business as an idea? And also, you know, was there a moment in one of those ride-alongs that you had that aha moment of this is the problem I'm looking to solve? Yeah. So the moment that it originally made me start thinking about this and want to do something about it was actually after reading some research that was done by a professor at Wharton 
who had studied racial disparities in EMS care delivery and found that for certain communities, um, low-income or indigent communities, they actually have higher rates of dead-on arrivals Hmm. because of longer ambulance wait times. So that, for me, really actually goes against what I know about 911 and public safety, which is that whether you've got $5 in your pocket or $5 million, right, they respond to everybody in the same way. And that immediately kind of sparked my passion for solving this this challenge. And then with the ride-alongs, that was after I had already, you know, started the company. And I really wanted to spend my time initially just understanding the problem firsthand, doing those ride-alongs, seeing it from the EMT or paramedics point of view, um, getting a sense of the patients, why they're overutilizing, and design a solution that is for public safety specifically. And so studying the technology and workflows already in place was a big part of doing that before getting started. And then how did you take this idea and launch it into this massive business of amazing change? The questions that I find are always interesting is when people ask me, how did you start? Starting is just really like, you just do something, right? You create a logo, you write up a, you know, create a pitch deck and you put one foot in front of the other. I don't think there's any right way to start. What we did or what I did was while I was in business school, just started doing cold outreach to different EMS systems and asking them questions and wanting to set up meetings, flying, you know, to to visit them and do ride-alongs and really allowing that to drive decision-making around the direction of the business and, you know, honing in on the problem more specifically. So the start was just while I was at business school doing that concept validation piece of it. And then, you know, it's growing the team, it's developing the product, the solution, and then, you know, working to, to get into market. And uh, you talked about your team. What, what do you see as your role as the CEO of this company? Yeah, so as a CEO, I think my role is to support my team members. So, you know, in a way they work for me, but I also work for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really understanding each of them, how they work best, you know, when they're they're most productive and optimizing that what they need. So, uh, you know, as a CEO, it's getting them the funding that they need to execute against you know the plans that they've made, making sure everyone's aligned from your team to your investors, to your clients. Right. And making sure there's cohesion and alignment between between those, those stakeholders. Uh, but yeah, I view my team as my stakeholders, right? And so it's, it's about managing them just like I would other stakeholders and making sure that they have what they need from, from me and the business. How much time do you spend, I'm just curious, working with stakeholders and your investors and your board versus the team? Like if you had a percentage of your time that's spent every day or every week, I realize every week is different, but... When I'm not fundraising? Yeah, when you're not fundraising, yeah. Uh, probably like 90, 10. Okay. <laughs> I'd say like my team gets, would get all of my time and attention. If an investor needs something, right, then, you know, making sure to get them what they need. But for the most part, I'm pretty heads down focused on the team. When it's fundraising, I think the reason that entrepreneurs don't like fundraising is because it pulls you away from that. Right. And, you know, when you're focused on the team, that's, that's really where traction comes from. So, I'd say our investors are are happy, but um, the team is definitely a higher priority. And all of our investors would agree with that. That's good. 
We'll just stick with funding for a while, uh, a minute here. So I know you closed funding rounds. I, I don't want to speak to how much, but you can. Your lead investor, Red and Blue Ventures, Hearst Lab, which is a New York-based community of um, early stage and women-led startups. Talk about fundraising and, and what tips you might have for founders as they think about fundraising, whether or not to raise, how much to raise, who to raise from. Oh, yeah, uh, fundraising. It's not fun. <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> likes to do it. Take the, it should be called like not fun, not funding. Unfundraising. You know, when we, we raised a, a bit of a million dollars um, earlier this year. Congrats. Right That's as, great. thank you, right as the, the pandemic was kicking off. As far as tips for, for doing it, my, my number one thing is like, really make sure you know what you're looking for in an investor. I mean, you can spend a lot of time talking to investors that you probably get a sense wouldn't be a good fit for your business. Um, maybe they can't contribute anything beyond funding or they don't see your vision. There are so many reasons. You really want to make sure there's alignment there. And because founders can be in a bit of a vulnerable position and needing the funding, that can be one of the first things that we sacrifice. But, you know, everyone hears it's like a, a marriage, right? And you want to make sure you find the right ones. And um, we were pretty intentional when it came to finding the right investors. So one of the partners at Red and Blue was a paramedic hmm. uh, previously. So really understood firsthand <laughs> what the issue was, has gone on a lot of these, you know, topane or non-emergency calls with Hearst Labs. I can't, you know, say enough amazing things about them. It's such an amazing, they're such amazing investors. They have a team that's dedicated to helping you work on your business. And it's just a really empowering group of insanely smart CEOs and scouts that help you, you know, sell. So it's, mm. they're incredible. And there was a lot of synergy there and they really bought into the vision. And then Techstars, you know, Techstars is phenomenal. Partially, they're also great. Everyone loves them because they let you do your thing, mm -hmm. right? So that's another thing you, can, you look for in an investor is that they're not micromanaging you, especially if they don't have experience in your space. And then we also had Alumni Venture Group, who's, who's phenomenal also, and, you know, was jumped right in wanting to help us with sales. So finding the right investors is really important. And then making sure you don't burn out. You can burn out very easily when fundraising. I pretty much did, you know. So it's not to say if you don't burn out, you won't raise the money. But I definitely made that mistake, pulling all-nighters, putting together packages of documents that didn't make sense for our stage just because they were requested. Mm. Um, when that really should have been a red flag for me to say, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm making up documents because somebody wants to see them and I'm not an oracle, right? I can't predict this level into the future. And investors know that it's all made up, right? <laughs> no one can tell exactly what your revenue is going to be in eight years. So um, I'd say- Even big companies don't know that too. Exactly. <laughs> so it's something to look out for. Yeah. The red flags are, are that that's a big one. That makes a lot of sense. Those are great tips. Women, as you know, only receive, I think at this point, it's two point, might be 2.3% of all VC funding. Women of color, significantly less than that. As a woman of color, did you think about that before raising, during raising? Like, how did that 
fuel your fire? What obstacles did you come across? And, you know, how did you overcome those if you did? Um, so to be honest, I definitely knew about this. One of my professors at Wharton actually wrote a book on this. Um, so she hmm. she was a, a female investor, and she was a part of the studies that helped to, to bring about this data. Oh, we'll have to have her on. Yeah, uh, Laura Huang. She's actually at Harvard now. Amazing. If you guys, anybody out there listening wants to take her, she's a great professor. But while fundraising, I didn't think about it or focus on it that much. And I'll tell you why. Maybe it's my, my personality, but I... There's no good news there, right? It's very, um, it, it's, a, it's a problem. And when fundraising, it does become kind of evident who can be exacerbating that problem. And again, it's those red flags. So I think that I, I thought about it to the extent of, again, who's the right investor and navigating that and making sure I was focusing on the right investors that were a fit, that wanted to invest in MD Ally first and foremost, right? Like that was the important thing. Do you see my vision? Do you think this should come to fruition? And answering that question. And then ones that are not investing, unfortunately, they'll take up a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the investors that we actually ended up working with, they were the fastest yeses, right? The ones that wanted months and months worth of information and, and docs ended up being no's. Hmm. And not that they don't invest in any female founders, but I think it's just something to really pay attention to and not try and force. But this is something that we have to be very um, intentional about. It's something that we need to, to fix. Also, as a founder, you need to protect yourself a bit mentally. So focusing on the positive, focusing on investors that you naturally feel are a good fit for you and going in that direction is really, really important when you're in the middle of fundraising that will help also with the mental health aspect of, yeah. you know, having that much work and focus is, you know, focusing on presenting your business and um, executing and finding the right people. That's great. Great advice. Over the last few months, I guess now six months of, uh, of COVID and, and uh, you know, everyone being at home and your company suddenly, and you, you became a high profile person in the public eye you know, you were featured in the New York Times, you've done a lot of appearances on national TV. What's that experience been like for you? How have you prepared for those opportunities to share your, your company with the world? Yeah, it's so funny you say, uh, have become a high profile person. I feel like exactly <laughs> the same person. <laughs> um, so it, it feels, I feel the same. Um, I'm honored and glad people are interested. I love talking about public safety. I love talking about tech. I love talking about telehealth. So that's great in a, in a sense. But I, I, all of those opportunities were not ones that I sought out. So those were ones where I was really just focusing on my business and executing. And those opportunities came to me. And then I shared my story, right? And then got back to work <laughs> so right after going back into, you know, a meeting about work or meeting with somebody on my team. And those are great for, I, I think they're great opportunities, mostly because I'm glad people want to learn about public safety and want to learn about innovation in that space. So many people are more familiar with other 
sectors of healthcare. And those, I think, are really heroes in you know the healthcare continuum that aren't focused on enough, that people don't really know about the sacrifices that they're making day in and day out, mm-hmm. especially with COVID, right? There's first responders that are getting sick that wouldn't have gotten sick otherwise, except they're going out there to save others. So I love working in this space and I love sharing that with others. And I think that that's probably the aspect that I'm most excited about when it comes to to the press. But yeah, other than that, there's just, you know, it's it's back to the grind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and you're working in the space that is so important to so many people's lives and, and can really make it, that must feel really great too at the end of the day, right? You're not just building a business, but you're building a business that could potentially save more lives and make people more connected to their health, which is just so, so important today. What actually changed in your business as a result of COVID and how has your team adapted to meet these new demands? So I think, you know, one of the primary things that's changed related to COVID was for our clients and this this space, just underscoring the importance of an efficient use of our most valuable resource, right? First responders, dispatchers, we can't operate without them. And what MDLI does allow public safety systems to do is to make sure that there's not an overutilization or unnecessary utilization of that most valuable resource, where you're not running out of protective gear too quickly. And so a lot of those things were really, really highlighted when it came to COVID, right, in an undeniable way. And so it gave us opportunities to work with larger cities. And, you know, I think it also does feed that mission-driven side of the team even more. Okay, now it's it's really critical. It's important, especially when you do hear about first responders and dispatchers getting sick. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things as far as how can we help with COVID screening virtually and, you know, all of those different aspects that people are grappling with, communities are grappling with. Um, so all of that has really come to the forefront when COVID came about. That had a big impact and so did, you know, George Floyd and other changes that are that came out of that related to public safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are a lot of public safety systems that are examining the way that they operate, the way that they respond, and the types of calls that come into 911. And again, you know, what we're most focused on is making sure that emergencies are going to first responders and law enforcement. And then, you know, it opened up more for law enforcement for us because we want to be able to provide connectivity to telepsychiatry and other services that are virtual and available in more real time to help de-escalate situations. And by having other professionals present and them being a resource to either party in those situations, it can really help to de-escalate and um, add more services and resources that are, are more relevant in those moments. So, so important and, and such good examples there. What was your takeaway from the tragic death of, of George Floyd? What did you see in that moment that you thought also from, from your perspective, given what you know about the space of first responders of, of all backgrounds, you know, what, what was your biggest takeaway from that, that you've now like made a core part of your business? Yeah, um, that one's that was a tough one. I'll have to admit because not only am I in public safety, but I'm African American, and uh, you know, 
in public safety. So there was, you know, when you're really focused and busy, there's, you're kind of in that grind, but something as tragic as what happened pulls you out of it. Mm -hmm. And you have to really examine, okay, what's going on here and how can I help? Right. So I think that in working in, in the public safety space, it's kind of when something tragic happens, that is often, unfortunately, but you're also your initial reactions to those sorts of things are, okay, how do you jump in? How do you help? What can you change? Having a thought. How do you make sure this never happens exactly, again? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. And being raised by a first responder, that's just kind of what you're, you're taught. So I spent quite a bit of time talking to law enforcement officers, talking to my team and uh, others, and just thinking, what actionable thing can we do that will make a difference? Like, how can we help that will make 2021 different than 2020? And the answer that came out of that was, what services can we help to provide that do de-escalate situations in the moment? I think a lot of the tools that are available immediately escalate a situation, right? Yes. Handcuffs, guns, mace, tasers. And the way that people are trained, right? When you you read some of the stories of of how training happens too. And to kind of look, you look for the bad, right? You don't look that there's, this person needs help too, right? Right, exactly. And um, in any job that anybody has, you use the tools that are at your disposal, Mm -hmm. right? You reach for what is around you and that's what you use. And so if you don't have the tools around you that, de-escalate by nature, you're going to just reach for what you've got. And that was something that we recognized pretty immediately. And if you, if we really want things to be different, then we immediately went the route of what things can we contribute to the solution. And I, I firmly believe in expanding the scope of public safety. And part of that is, you know, training, as you mentioned, um, a big part of that is also resources. A lot of first responders and people in public safety, they're burned out. There's a lot of demand. There's over-demand, over-utilization. And we want people to be able to operate at their best. So helping with that, I think, is it just became a, another part of our mission. So thoughtful. Thank you. you. You've mentioned some, you know, that you met other founders through um, Red and Blue or, or Hearst Labs. Like, are there other companies that have emerged over the last six months that you're impressed by? Like, who are you following? Who are you going to invest in next? Uh, that, you know, that's a good question. Companies that have come up over the last six months that I'm the biggest fan of are virtual. We are moving into a, a virtual era and it, ones that are trying to solve this challenge from the sectors that are very traditionally in person, right? Like education companies that are enabling virtual education, which is very tough for students, right? I've got a sister in college who's trying to figure out how to take all virtual classes, Mm. right? It's tough. Not the experience that she was hoping for, right? No, not at all. So companies like that, um, you know, ones that are helping families that are very distant from each other or people who are isolated stay connected. There's one, you know, like time study that helps elderly stay connected to their families through virtual, like a virtual Alexa, but not just their families, but other resources that they might need. 
And those things are so important, right? When we're seeing videos of people in nursing homes that have their loved ones on the other side of the window, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Um, And so I think that there are companies that are really adding a lot of value and helping to usher us into this new world. And I think that those are heroic endeavors. And I also like lifestyle businesses that are creating virtual components, So you've got, you know, like restaurants or hair salons or things like that that aren't in the tech space, right? I'm mostly first on, well-versed on tech, but adding components of like virtual trainings or, you know, virtual cooking sessions just to, I think it's just such a great way to keep your business alive and thriving in a creative way during a really hard time instead of just trying to wait for it to be over. Right. Entrepreneurs mm-hmm. innovate. They are constantly trying to, you know, you, you've got to stay connected to your client base. And I just really admire the way that some of those companies have done that. Yeah, they're incredible. I can't wait to send you our new uh, class of tech stars that starts in a week because I, I, there's a lot of companies you just mentioned in the different focus areas. So I'm excited to get your feedback. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there'll be some that, that you'll, uh, you'll help out too. And, and, Pay it forward, right? In the uh, founder first, absolutely. Uh, tech stars motto, and you know, I guess where where do you look for inspiration yourself? How do you stay balanced? Um, you know, is there a particular story or or something that's lifted you in the last six months? Yeah. So, as far as inspiration, one of the things I think inspired me a ton was the protest globally. I mean if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I think it gave a lot of people goosebumps, right? Like just to see that, you know, in Korea and Berlin and, you know, the Netherlands, all over the world, people coming together for one cause. I don't know that I've seen something like that in my lifetime previously. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not stopping. It's really still going on, which is really fantastic. Yeah. And I think as, as long as the challenge exists, right, then it'll be present. But seeing that kind of global camaraderie, I thought was just incredible and super inspiring, you know, and it's also incredible because it's not just one team or company that's making that happen. It shows that as humans, there is this thread that kind of runs through all of us and and can be activated for people who speak different languages right around the around the world who haven't experienced it firsthand. But empathy is so strong that they'll dedicate their time to really showing support during a global pandemic. Um, So Mm. I thought that was really inspiring. And, you know, it's not directly related to tech or my, you know, business, but it just, for me as a, as a person, it it kind of really activated something in me that, that made me want to be a part of something larger than myself. And so Mm. I thought that that was probably the most inspiring thing I've seen in a very, very long time. I love that answer. Um, It just, Maybe it is how I have been feeling, um, but you really articulated that well. And your the name of your company, MD Allies. Uh, I'm also thinking about that in the back of my head because the allyship that has yeah. um, really grown out of this, and I, I can see how that parallels with, you know, becoming allies with first responders and yeah. and the parallels there. Um, so really, just just awesome. Absolutely. I wanted to congratulate you big time on your recent appointment to the Techstars Board of Director. Thank you. Awesome. I was so excited to see that news come out. You are the first Black woman on the board. 
And as you and I know, like opening up the Techstars network to people from all backgrounds is going to be one of the keys to making systemic change in the startup ecosystem. Can you talk about how that came to be? What does that appointment mean to you? And, you know, what kind of impact do you want to see on the board, from the board, from that organization, from the Techstars network? Like, what is that? What's all wrapped up in, in that? Yeah. Um, so how that came to be, it's interesting. It's pretty similar to my PR <laughs> response of how those opportunities came to be. I was just minding my own business, just working. <laughs> but, you know, we did, went through Techstars earlier this year, my company did. And during the interview process, met one of the founders of Techstars, David Brown, because both David Brown and David Cohen, their first startup ever was actually a public safety technology company. That's right. So it was called, yeah, it's called Pinpoint that they sold to Zoll. And to be honest, I think that nobody really knew how to interview us <laughs> because public safety is so, mm. you know, such a, it's a kind of a niche space. And so I, I think David, just for kicks, kind of volunteered to get involved in t- interview us girls a bit. And we ended up having a really, really great meeting. And then after that, he volunteered and, you know, offered to to mentor us through the program, be one of oh, our official awesome. mentors. Yeah. Great. So the whole team got to work with him through Techstars and just continued, you know, meeting after that and receiving great advice as well as offering advice. Maybe I'm an overly opinionated person, but <laughs> um, it turns out, you know, some of those opinions I think were helpful. And David and the board ex- approached me about joining. And I think that what they've have been craving is having a founder on the board, having a client of the business on the board as a member and thought I would be a good fit for that. So spent some time meeting with all the board members uh, one-on-one. And then after that was um, offered and accepted that board position. So you're also the first founder on the board. Yes. Ah, I did not, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I, I I think they've chosen the perfect person to do this and keep speaking up and um, let us know how we can be supportive of, of you in that role. Thank you. Their success and focus on diversity and, and equity and inclusion is key to creating a, just a, a much more open network. And um, and we're here to do that in, in an allyship too. So last part is really rapid fire. This is fun. Hopefully fun. Um, This is the part where we just do quick word association. I'm going to say a word and you just say in a couple words what comes to mind. All right. It's supposed to be fun. You can skip something if if you're like, that one's not So If I say something awkward. (laughs) You'll you'll be fine. First thing that comes to your mind. Healthcare in the U.S. Um, Complex. Evolving, virtual. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Tech stars. Uh, give first, um, innovation, accelerant, enabler. Founder. Hero, innovator. Yeah, future, forward thinking leader. Public safety. Uh, superhero. <laughs> um, superhero, self-sacrificial hardworking savior. Wharton. Wharton. Data-driven decision-making. I feel like that's Wharton's model. (laughs) (laughs) Data-driven decisions. Um, Educator. Also going virtual. (laughs) (laughs) Father. Uh, Northern star inspiration. 
teacher. COVID. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's my word for COVID. <laughs> Go away, please. Um, you know, lesson learned. <laughs> There you go. I love it. And then just last question. If you had one top tip for founders navigating these unprecedented times, what would that be? Go full throttle. I don't think that at any point in time, things have been predictable. And I think it's really important to have a level. It's healthy to have a level of anticipation or desire for things to not be safe and predictable. So I'd say, you know, don't overthink it, right? It's unprecedented, but that means that you get to take some unprecedented opportunities right now. So really just go for it full throttle. Give it your all. Fantastic. Well, today's guest has been Chanel Fields, founder and CEO of MD Ally. This has been Ideas Elevated from Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. For more info and to find us on social, head to ComcastNBCULift.com or check out the show notes. Ideas Elevated is a Q9 production. This episode was produced by Kevin Schmidlin with associate production by Catherine Nails, editing and mixing by Max Graham, and theme music by The Last Generation on Film. From Lift Labs, I'm Danielle Kahn. Until next time.